I think most people understand one of the prerequisites for bringing any professional sports team to any city. If you're not a big enough market, it doesn't matter how many billionaires are on your side. It doesn't matter how much corporate support there might be. It doesn't matter if you have a dynamic personality. You need at least one thing just to get into the hunt. List all of the MLS franchises that are not located in top 50 markets in terms of the population in the metro area. The answer is zero. I'll do your homework for you. There are no examples. Once you are in a big enough market, like the triangle being top 40 by various calculations, made it a candidate. Charlotte, of course, is our state's biggest market, and it was a candidate. Once you're in the running because you have enough millions of people in your midst, that's when other things start mattering, including, in this case, the very deep pockets and, to a degree, big personality of Carolina Panthers football owner David Tepper. He just paid a $300 million-plus expansion fee, and the announcement this morning in Charlotte was that the new Charlotte franchise in MLS will begin play in March of 2021, so it's less than a year and a half away. Scott Fowler was there with MLS Commissioner Don Garber and Panthers owner and now MLS owner David Tepper and a whole bunch of other luminaries and dignitaries. Scott, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? We're doing well. I know you're writing about this in the pages of the Charlotte Observer and at that fine website as well. What was the most surprising, interesting, or otherwise notable thing said by David Tepper as he is now going to be the owner of two high-level professional sports franchises right there in the Queen City? Well, maybe the most uh, unusual thing that happened was when he broke into a version of Heartbreak Hotel and had dubbed in his own words about uh, the MLS and Charlotte. And so, uh, Tepper, you mentioned has a big personality. It was on full display today. He was very much in his element. I mean, this has been a serious two-minute offense for Charlotte to to really go from you know, a failed bid in 2017 for MLS to suddenly Tepper buys the Panthers in the summer of 2018 to here we are less than a year and a half later, really. And, you know, they have, they've jumped to the front of the line. And another interesting thing I thought uh, they do was that he, they're going to play in 2021. They're skipping past two previously right. announced expansion teams. So they'll, they're playing, yeah, like you said, in about 14 or 15 months. Uh, so it is going to be quick. The Tepper factor has been circled by everyone I know with any connection to the soccer world as huge. Because as you know, Scott, there are a lot of markets like Charlotte's size that do not have the MLS. And then there are other markets like Charlotte's size, you know, Seattle, Minneapolis, Denver, St. Louis now on the way, Orlando, Portland, Sacramento is on the way, Cincinnati, Austin, Texas is on the way, Columbus, Ohio, San Jose, California, Nashville is on the way. Was it really David Tepper that took Charlotte from just another top 30 market uh, to the $12 billion guy who already owns the Panthers and already has a facility and, and has basically as deep a pockets as anybody in all of American professional sports. Uh, Don Garber probably didn't say, yeah, I don't turn down guys worth $12 billion very often, but wh what sense did you get 
about the, the importance of David Tepper's deep pockets and other aspects of his uh, bid? I think the short answer to all that is yes. I don't <laughs> think it happens without David Tepper. I think that was far and away the most important factor here. And if, if David Tepper, uh, you know, lived in Raleigh and wanted to, you know, and ha- and, and also I think that, you know, he had a, a ready-made stadium yeah. more yep. or less for it. But as long as he had those things, I think this team would be going to Raleigh instead. I just think this is because he's in Charlotte, because he has, you know, it's kind of unique in that he really owns the stadium. The city doesn't. So he can do whatever the heck he wants to with it. And, and they're going to put that, you know, that team here. And eventually, uh, you know, in, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, there'll be a new stadium right. here. And the football team and the soccer team will share that stadium. He's got very much on the Atlanta model with uh, Arthur Blank, which Pepper quite colorfully said, screw that other city hmm. today when he was talking about uh, Atlanta and the rivalry they hope to establish with with that team, which has you know, kind of been a template for what Tepper wants to do. Scott Fowler joining us. He is an award-winning sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer. Find his work at that website, charlotteobserver.com. You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott underscore Fowler. One of the only flies in the ointment of the Tepper bid for Charlotte for a while uh, has been some angst about using a football stadium, Bank of America Stadium, for soccer when a pretty significant majority of MLS franchises you know, have those soccer-specific stadiums. You mentioned the longer-term solution. How about in the meantime? If, the, if this new franchise spends five, six, seven, eight seasons in Bank of America Stadium, what needs to be changed? And, and you know, is the, there's obviously got to be confidence that those changes can be made uh, within the next uh, 14 months, if that team's going to take the field by by March of 2021, right? Yeah, and I think they will spend at least five to eight years here, uh, maybe maybe a little bit longer. I mean, it takes a while to buy a stadium, build a stadium, get one approved, etc. But you know what? I mean, they've already had like the U.S. Women's National Team was here. I mean, the Mexican National Team's been here. They've had. Uh, these games that have drawn 60,000 soccer fans here several times already. So they can really, they could handle it next month if they had to. But what they really, you know, they do have to build some more stuff, locker rooms, a center tunnel. They're going to have a special fan area that will look more like the traditional soccer fan areas where people stand the whole time and such. And so all that's going to happen. But I think that's why they're kind of leaping uh, a couple of other cities because they're they're basically they're not MLS ready as yeah. these guys like to say, but they're they're pretty darn close. So there's you know yeah it'll happen. It's interesting for those trying to picture this. I'm no engineer, but I can imagine the tunnels of Bank of Amer- Bank of America Stadium, yeah. and I can imagine making new locker rooms, not super mega complicated. I can imagine clearing camera platforms for soccer angles compared to other sports. I can imagine most of the other things. How, not being an engineer, you just build a tunnel that comes out to midfield in an existing football stadium. Not, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to tap into some of my engineering friends. I don't know how easy or not that might be. We're talking with Scott Fowler, not an engineer, but an outstanding sports writer for the Charlotte Observer. Uh, you know the broader debate, not specific to this situation, but when a multi-billionaire owner has his hand out in any way 
for taxpayer money, state, city, or otherwise, a lot of people have angst. Uh, I imagine the news staff at the Charlotte Observer handles this much more than you do, but you are a resident, I believe, down there. Have you sensed much ta taxpayer pushback about what we've read is a $110 million commitment via the Charlotte tourism taxes on, you know, hotel occupancy taxes and prepared food and beverage taxes? You know, I've, I've, yeah, there's been some pushback for sure, and you're right. Every single time it happens, people talk about, you know, billionaire welfare and why in the world are we giving, it used to be, Jerry Richardson, when he would ask for money for stadium improvements, et cetera. Now it's David Tepper. Uh, you know, it was previously Bob Johnson with the Hornets. You know, that whenever Michael asked, Jordan asked for some for the Spectrum Center. It is just the way of the world. I don't like it either. I think, you know, it'd be great if Tepper would just write the check for all of it, but it is not the way the world works. And, uh, you know, Charlotte, the $110 million I should say, is not going into David Tepper's pocket. Right, it right. Is, it's very much stadium upgrades. And they said today uh, more of that money, more than half, will go toward an Eastland. Eastland is sort of an underdeveloped area in Charlotte. That's where they're putting the practice facility. That that area's uh, refurbishment and revitalization will take more than half of that $110 million. Scott Fowler is joining us here on the David Glenn Show. Don Garber, of course, celebrated David Tepper's role in all of this, which you elaborated on a little bit. I know he complimented the city of Charlotte and just how quickly that $110 million agreement came about because it's not that quick in a lot of different markets. I believe he also specified corporate support. I remember months ago, Panthers representatives put out some kind of information about how many of their existing NFL partners – I don't know if they, you know, wrote it in ink that they were committed to be supporters of this new MLS franchise. But what can you tell us about that part? I mean, it's it's obviously secondary to the size of the market and the you know the, the unique nature of David Tepper. Uh, but but it sounds like the corporate community really rallied around this bid, maybe even to the degree of serious financial commitments. I think that's true. They had a meeting, and they referenced it several times. Uh, I had Tepper and uh, Commissioner Garber both in a in a private interviews today uh, before this announcement, and both mentioned a meeting with uh, numerous CEOs of Charlotte companies uh, in oh several months ago, where where Garber was also there, and they basically uh, I think Garber mentioned uh, it was almost like a dating game they were like saying what they like you know what they loved about mls and how grateful they'd be if mls would come and they would pledge to be sponsors and such and this wasn't tepper this was you know some of some other tepper's friends i guess you'd say anyway that i think that helped but like you say it's it's it, it certainly helped it's not 12 billion dollars right. an owner who's uh vastly committed to this and and uh, you know if city that's certainly fast growing but like you mentioned there's many cities like raleigh like many others that that aren't getting an mls team and uh you know they they just don't have a david tepper his name is scott fowler find his work at charlotteobserver.com follow him on twitter at scott underscore fowler a uh, lot of great coverage today and building up to this uh, big day 
The MLS is coming to North Carolina. Team number 30 will be in Charlotte beginning play early in the 2021 calendar year. Scott, thanks as always for the visit. Happy holidays to you and yours from the David Glenn Show. Thank you so much. Thank you, you got it. Joe Person live in about 45 minutes on all things NFL. Will Greer is getting his first NFL start for your Carolina Panthers. The rookie out of West Virginia has been holding the clipboard and running the scout team, but he will be elevated over Kyle Allen, assumedly for these final two games of the regular season. Meanwhile, Drew Brees is setting more records, this time last night on Monday Night Football. He inspired the question of the day. If you could have any current NFL QB leading your team in this year's playoffs, who would it be and why votes so far today and it shows you it's going to be an exciting playoffs for drew Brees of the saints aaron Rodgers of the packers russell wilson of the seahawks those all are in the nfc lamar jackson of the ravens patrick mahomes of the chiefs and tom brady of the patriots so at least six vote getters so far and there's some pretty good qbs on playoff teams beyond those six 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program if you'd like in on the mls related question of the day what is the farthest you've ever traveled to regularly support a pro or college sports team most hurricanes fans i know live within an hour or so drive of raleigh most Hornets season ticket holders i know live within an hour or less drive of Charlotte. Panthers fans are scattered more, but even if you're a season ticket holder, remember that's only eight regular season home games per year. Maybe you come from a long way away to go to 10 or more college basketball games at Duke or State or Carolina or Wake or somewhere else. Maybe you will jump in. The MLS, remember, is a 34-match regular season, so 17 regular season home matches. I imagine if you live relatively close to Charlotte and you're into soccer, you'll consider it, if not season tickets, getting there at least once in a while. But I imagine if you're really far away, you're going to fall into the same basket that most others do. I'm not going that far that regularly, even though Major League Soccer is the top level that this country has to offer in that sport. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. We do have an NBA question of the day as well, and it is this. Believe it or not, compared to last year's regular season, TV ratings are down on ESPN around 20%, TNT a little bit more than that, despite some very desirable matchups. This coming Thursday, the two teams with the best records in the NBA, the Lakers and the Bucks, are the early game in a TNT doubleheader. And two more NBA contenders, the Rockets visiting the Clippers, are the nightcap of that same TNT doubleheader. That sounds like must-see TV for me as an NBA fan, and yet ratings are down 20% or more depending on the outlet. Are you watching the NBA less often this season? If so, why? Share your answer at 1-800-849-2761. We'll get into some college hoops. We'll get into some hurricanes. We'll paint more of the MLS to North Carolina picture. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on one of those questions of the day. Drew Brees is getting more votes than Tom Brady right now. Drew Brees is getting more votes than... Just about everybody, best I can count them quickly, but it's a sign of the times that at least a half a dozen guys are getting votes to that question of the day. You could have any quarterback for this year's playoffs and only this year's playoffs. Don't worry about what he might be two or four or six years down the road. Some of these dudes are old by NFL standards, but they're still among the guys you'd want behind center for your favorite team if you could have them. 1-800-849-2761. That's how you can join us on the David Glenn Show.
Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I'm trying to do these calculations in my head. And I don't always have these right. Question of the day because the MLS is coming to Charlotte, our great state. Got the NBA in 1988, the NFL in 1995, the NHL in 1997, and now we'll have Major League Soccer announcement today. The new team of David Tepper will begin play early in the 2021 calendar year. So our great sports culture gets even greater in my eyes. That inspired the question of the day. What's the farthest you've ever traveled to regularly support a pro or college sports team? I do travel this state a lot, but I need, like when you tell me Gary and Wilson goes from Wilson to Winston-Salem, that sounds like a two-hour drive for him and Wilson to support Wake Forest Athletics. Depending on how many times a year you do that, that's pretty good dedication. I have Tommy says he's a Wolfpack season ticket holder. He goes from High Point to Raleigh at least six times a year for football and more than that each year for basketball games. That's loyalty as well. I'm trying to think, like, off the top of my head, I can generally picture these drives. Like, what's the Wilmington to Charlotte drive? There are the most answers are from Panthers fans who do not live within two hours of Charlotte. But eight times a year during the regular season, they'll go see the Carolina Panthers. Football is more of a tailgating sport. Football is more than more of a let's make a weekend of it sport, college or pro. So those are most of the answers we're getting. A lot of loyalty from college football and college basketball fans as well. The MLS is coming to Charlotte. In-person attendance is a bigger part of that sport's economic model than it is in a lot of other sports nowadays because of rising TV money. Attendance still matters, and it still matters a lot for colleges and pro franchises, but it doesn't matter as much as it used to because TV money has gone through the roof. 1-800-849-2761. If you have an answer to that question of the day, what is the farthest you've ever traveled to regularly support a pro or college sports team? Well, I don't go straight. For, I go to Wilmington a lot, and I go to Charlotte a lot. I don't go from Wilmington to Charlotte. Or back and forth. What is that, a three-hour drive? I'm not even sure. We live in a very wide state. As I come back to your calls, Drew Brees-inspired question, if you could have any current NFL QB leading your team in this year's playoffs, who would it be and why? Six guys getting votes, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson in the NFC, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady in the AFC. You could be next on that one the day after Drew Brees set two more records. Most career TD passes and single-game completion percentage last night as the Saints rolled the Colts. And remember, as New Orleans remains a contender for home field advantage in the NFC, the Baltimore Ravens are in that driver's seat in the AFC, thanks in large part to the wonders of Lamar Jackson. NBA question of the day, are you watching that league less often this season? If so, why? Why do we ask? Well, NBA on TV numbers are down 20% or so compared to last year, regionally down only 13%. But those national broadcasts, either ESPN, which has another doubleheader tomorrow night, 
Heat, Sixers, Celtics, Mavericks. Those are four interesting teams, two interesting matchups. Thursday night, TNT, another national partner, of course, gets Lakers, Bucks. Those are the two best teams in the NBA. And the nightcap of that doubleheader is Rockets, Clippers, two more NBA title contenders. Somehow, numbers are down 23% on TNT. And the reason that that's weird to me is it's one of the most successful pregame, postgame, and halftime shows you'll ever have with Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson and Shaq and Kenny Smith and those guys. And the product is pretty good. I know there's no more Warriors dynasty, but LeBron's in a more interesting place. The Lakers matter a lot more than they did last year. Anthony Davis and Lamar Jackson and uh, LeBron James are doing incredible things together in L.A., as they have the best record in the NBA, and the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks, who did lose last night to Dallas, but still have the second best record in the NBA, that's a head-to-head matchup on Thursday. I mean, neither team has lost more than four games, and we're more than a quarter of the way through the regular season. I mean, those are eye-popping records with great players on both rosters and great records on both sides. I, when something's down 5%, most people shrug their shoulders. It's no big deal. You're down 20% from the previous year. There's got to be an explanation there. And for anyone wondering, could it be more people are streaming games than ever before? I had that curiosity. There's no deep dive numbers on that available as we speak. But when somebody, for example, I think it was done in Canada, when the Raptors made their run to the NBA championship last year, they did a fairly scientific study. How many of you were watching in ways that impact TV ratings? Because remember, if you're streaming it, that does not impact. That TV outlet does not get credit for you as a customer in the traditional way. They're improving how they measure these things. But I was shocked to find out. Darren Vaught representing the 20 and 30-something generation. What would you guess? This is a small sample size, and again, they need to research this more. I would have thought that streaming got to the point where 10 to 20% of people watching an NBA game were streaming it. I, I really, and, and obviously I'm representing the 40 and 50-something generation. I, I guessed between 10 and 20%. What would you guess? Well, you've got you've to first, I think, define what you mean specifically by stream because there's a legal version of streaming in which you're watching on TV, but it's not through having that channel on your uh, – through your cable provider, right? I mean, that technically still is streaming if you're legally watching through like a Sling TV or, or, or something Correct. like that. Correct, but you, that TV that you're getting legally, when they do ratings, TNT is not getting credit for you as a viewer if you are streaming that game on your computer legally. Legally. Put aside piracy and all that craziness. Yeah. They don't get the same credit for you as a viewer. Okay, because that you're calling my it up answer. on your smartphone or calling it up on your. I, I am when I sit in my living room. I've got you know I've got this enormous HD TV over the fireplace. Most of the time, I watch games on that. Whether Great it's setup. Canes in the NHL or an NFL game, whatever. I don't know. Ninety percent of the time, of course, I put it on the big screen. Now, because of the way the pecking order works in the Glenn household, if the lovely and talented Maria wants to watch something, she gets the big screen TV. That's just how it goes. If you've never been married, I'll have to explain why another time. Why she gets first dibs. That's just how she rolls. When she commandeers the main TV and I lose my over-the-fireplace supersized HD TV, I'll call up a game if I'm not watching the same thing Maria is watching on my computer. 
That TV outlet does not get credit for me as a viewer the way things are done now. Now, that's insane, right? It makes no sense at all. At some point in the relatively near future, it ain't going to matter. If you're consuming the game and they can measure it, well, of course, you're going to trumpet those numbers, whether they're being streamed. The World Cup does a good job of documenting who's watching on TV, but they've gotten to the science to the point where they can also document how many are streaming games. And nowadays, you just add the numbers together. You can report the TV number does still matter to many advertisers, etc. But as long as people are watching and they're watching the commercials that go with your product, well, theoretically, you, the TV partner, should get credit for that. I thought, and again, putting piracy aside, I thought 10 to 20% of NBA viewers would be doing so via streaming. What would you guess that no, number with is? with legal streaming, it's way higher than that. It's a much bigger chunk. Has to be. It's not. Really? The Toronto Raptors broadcasts were essentially 99% TV and 1% streaming. Shocked me. Again, that's one study of one franchise and their and their run to last year's NBA title, 99% of viewers were doing it the traditional TV way. Didn't make sense to me either. But that's where we are in that context when traditional TV numbers drop in any sport, 20%. Remember the indigestion people had and all the ridiculous narratives about the failing NFL when their numbers dropped like 9%? And you know, smart people realized that all of TV had fallen 9% rather than some failing NFL ridiculous con conversation. Well, 20% is a big deal. And the NFL ratings, remember, have rebounded from even that smaller decline. NBA is down 20% from last year. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Maria says she doesn't watch as much NBA. I don't think this is my lovely and talented, Maria. But Maria joins us while driving. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thank you very much. This is my first time calling in. Good and to have I you. I am not your lovely <laughs> and talented Maria. Yeah, you're probably quite lovely and quite talented, but thank you for differentiating. Go ahead. Uh-huh, yes. I don't watch the NBA as much as I did uh, because there seems to be so much uh, wanting to win, wanting to win, and that's pretty much the – and I know that why they play right but i would like to see teams build and become great as the warriors did and also i would like to see teams have the same attitude that the warriors did where it's team play it's regardless of who's on the court there's a strong team play closeness and uh it just seems like the competitiveness has just gone over the top. Are you bothered that players jumped from one team to another so much? Because when you talk it's about a, teamwork and chemistry a, and, and all that a, stuff. And building. Yeah, that's it's very a, different. Very much. That is very different. That. It's interesting. And thanks for the call, Maria. Appreciate you listening. Lovely and talented and otherwise. It's interesting. Even the, Go the Golden State Warriors and that dynasty – were an example of both growing from within, right? Steph Curry was a Warriors draft pick. 
Clay Thompson was a Warriors draft pick. Draymond Green is one of the greatest draft picks outside the first round of the NBA draft in the history of that league. Also a homegrown player by that franchise. Now, they're a blend, remember. They're not an entirely homegrown multi-time NBA champion because, remember, even the earlier Warriors had a free agent from or a trade from my Philadelphia 76ers. Andre Iguodala was a huge part of those earlier Warriors teams. And the famous transaction, of course, was Kevin Durant joining the Warriors as well. So I, I do know people are turned off to a degree by having to be reminded, where's this player again? You know, like Paul George pretty quickly went from Indiana to Oklahoma City to the L.A. Clippers. And, and the most diehard NBA fans figure it out and digest it. But if you're a little bit more of a casual fan, I do think the casual, maybe this impacts why ratings are down 20%. I don't know. It's, it feels like one layer to the cake that fans don't like having to be reminded who's where. Russell Westbrook was with Oklahoma City for a long time. Oh, and now I got to get used to him being partnered with James Harden in Houston. And maybe I followed Chris Paul, you know, from his days at Wake Forest. Where is he again? Oh, yeah, he's in Oklahoma City after he tried in other places, but it didn't quite work out. And Anthony Davis and LeBron are together in L.A. now. To me, that should bolster the ratings. I mean, I know Milwaukee's a smaller market, and the Greek freak, while brilliant, just doesn't carry the same cachet with as many people. He's not the international figure that LeBron James is. Of course, not many are. But to me, all that adds up to worth watching NBA action. Again, the TNT doubleheader this Thursday. Lakers at Bucks, two best records in the NBA as we speak. Rockets at Clippers. That's their first and second game. That's their doubleheader. That's must-see TV. Now, not every night offers that lineup, and maybe that's why their numbers are down 20% for ESPN, 23% from TNT, as reported by the Sports Business Journal a little bit earlier this month. Those are alarming numbers for Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. Everybody has a different answer for why they're not watching as much, if that's the case for them personally, uh, but it adds up to an alarming 20% or so decline. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Quick follow-up on the market stuff with Major League Soccer. When I mentioned the two biggest factors being market size and David Tepper, I think most people get it. It's common sense, but it's worth underlining. If you had only market size but no David Tepper, Charlotte doesn't get an MLS franchise. How do we know that? There was a guy named Marcus Smith of NASCAR fame who in the last three or four years desperately tried to bring the MLS to Charlotte and failed. There are other billionaires in Phoenix and Las Vegas and San Diego and Indianapolis and elsewhere who wanted to bring the MLS to their cities, and they failed, right? So if, if you're both the market size required and the deep-pocketed billionaire, you have a chance, a really good chance. But the reason I say you need both is if you're not a top 50 market, even David Tepper ain't bringing you an MLS franchise. Go ahead and put David Tepper in Billings, Montana, and see how the Major League Soccer folks react to his creative bid. Y'all know that. It's common sense, right? It takes both. And when Charlotte didn't have the deep-pocketed, dynamic NFL owner, mega-billionaire David Tepper, but others tried and they had deep pockets, it didn't happen. And when Raleigh had a whole lot of things going for it, including grassroots soccer participation, 
and good support for North Carolina FC and the greatest women's professional soccer club on planet Earth with the North Carolina Courage and hosting the U.S. women's national team and other international events successfully right there in the triangle. And the population numbers, remember, aren't crazy far, far behind Charlotte. Charlotte's metro area, by various definitions, has about 2.6 million people. The triangle, again, depending on how you measure it, has at least 2.2 million. And if you include Fayetteville, which I think the TV folks do include, now you're right up there at 2.7 million, right similar number to Charlotte. So the demographics helped. And there were some wealthy people, Steve Malik and otherwise, behind the Raleigh bid, but not somebody who's worth $12 billion all by himself. You need both. And if you're not a top 30 or so market, you need not apply for an MLS franchise. But even if you are a top 30 market, you need something else going for you. And when you have David Tepper plus, they eventually talked him into Bank of America being a satisfactory stadium. MLS prefers, again, soccer-specific stadiums created specifically for that sport. There are a handful of MLS franchises who are success stories while their MLS team shares a stadium with another pro team, usually an NFL team. As a short-term solution, Major League Soccer bought that for David Tepper. So this new franchise, whatever they name it, and they haven't named it yet, beginning play early in the 2021 calendar year, will be in Bank of America Stadium. At some point in the next decade, both the Panthers and David Tepper's new soccer team will be playing in a new arena right there in the Queen City of Charlotte. Big news for our sports culture today coming from the Queen City because of its market size, because of David Tepper's deep pockets. And yes, everything else on the list, it can help, but those were the two prerequisites, market size and David Tepper. The rest of it, $110 million in tourism taxes committed by the city of Charlotte. It's nice. The corporate support, also nice. The comparisons to Atlanta and Falcons owner Arthur Blank bringing a new franchise to that NFL city and building that Mercedes-Benz Stadium and both filling the seats there, at least when they're good, on the soccer side to an incredible degree. All of those things helped Charlotte's pitch, but it really starts with market size and David Tepper. You know who the two biggest markets are in the United States of America? New York and L.A. Do you know how many MLS franchises each of those two has? Two. I mean, you don't get – there are only two mega-sized markets in our country. It is not mere coincidence that they're the only two with two franchises each, right? It's the Galaxy and LAFC in Los Angeles, and it's the Red Bulls and NYCFC in New York City. They're the only two markets – that have, would you believe those two metro areas have more people in them than the entire state of North Carolina? Always freaks me out to hear it that way. Think of how wide and stretched out our state's people are, 10 million plus. The L.A. metropolitan area has 14 million or so. The New York metropolitan area has like 20 million. That's almost twice as many people in the greater New York area than in the entire, the greater New York City area than the entire state of North Carolina. You think market size might matter a little bit? Yes. The top two markets have two teams each, and guess what? Each of the top ten markets already has an MLS franchise. These, this is not rocket science. It's when you get to the next level, 
Chicago, Dallas, Houston, D.C., Miami, Philly, Atlanta, and Boston are the other top 10 markets. You're talking 5 to 10 million people in those metro areas. Well, duh, the MLS folks see that, see other professional sports successful there. That's no-brainer. Top two markets are ginormous, and they have two teams each in the MLS. Top 10 markets are 5 million or more, and they all have at least one. And then it gets tricky. Charlotte's market size by itself, not enough. David Tepper's deep pockets by itself, not enough. Put the two together, and you have history being made earlier today in the Queen City. 1-800-849-2761. Joe Person joins us on the NFL in 20 minutes from The Athletic Carolina. As Drew Brees is setting more records for the Saints, Will Greer is going to get his first NFL start. For your Carolina Panthers, this weekend, the rookie out of West Virginia has had a rise from third stringer behind Cam Newton and Kyle Allen to at least for one week and probably two as the Panthers near the end of the regular season. He will get his NFL shot for better or for worse. More on those stories with more of your phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Joe Person on the NFL in 15 minutes. You can jump in on the MLS news, the NFL news. Drew Brees setting records. Will Greer about to get his first start for your Carolina Panthers. NBA ratings are down. College basketball is heating up. The Carolina Hurricanes are still on the road but playing great hockey. They're at Winnipeg tonight. I have an interesting question from Darby in Charlotte related to yesterday's show. And then quickly on Will Greer, as we welcome your calls and look forward to Joe Person. I think one of the strengths of our show is not to overreact to the last thing that happened. So as a percentage of our statewide listeners, at various points, we're ready to christen Kyle Allen as the quarterback of the future for the Carolina Panthers. We tend to use our lawyerly brain and even our journalistic brain and report things as they happen, yes, like Kyle Allen in some games was a more accurate passer than what Cam Newton was at first stretches of his nine-year career with the Carolina Panthers, and that was exciting. But Kyle Allen lost two different college starting quarterback jobs because of turnovers, and here we are. After Kyle Allen led a string of victories, Kyle Allen with your Panthers has led a string of defeats, and while it is not his fault entirely, Kyle Allen has 22 turnovers, including 15 interceptions and seven lost fumbles. The same stuff that lost him two different college jobs. The same stuff that made him jump to the professional level without even being a draft pick. Will Greer, starting this week, remember, was a third-round pick out of West Virginia. That, that was a top 100 pick by a franchise that still had, at that point, a Cam Newton coming off a difficult injury-filled season, but that was before the foot injury Liz Frank version of Cam Newton, but they still felt they needed to build their quarterback depth. Will Greer gets picked in the third round. Kyle Allen enters with this promise of the prep All-American, but also with the disappointment of two different collegiate stops. When he turned pro early, most NFL scouts are like, are you kidding me, kid? You can't even figure it out at the college level. So, 
I think those who had an even keel were rewarded for just waiting to see a bigger body of work. You all know how this works by now. He is an accurate passer when he has time. He has enough athleticism as a young guy that he'll never be a dual-threat quarterback per se, but he can extend to play. He can pick up an occasional you know, third and four, move the chains type first down. To me, he's proven himself as a backup quarterback in the NFL. And that's not like change your world exciting, but it's important. And he is under the Panthers' control contractually moving forward. So now the Panthers are going to try to see what they have in Will Greer, whatever you can learn in a two-week period as that guy comes to the end of his rookie season. I think they now know that Kyle Allen is not what those hyperventilating thought he was. They've come back to earth, but you might have a quality backup on your hand. You have a huge, unpredictable decision to make with Cam Newton, given that he has a year left on his deal, but he may not want to play that year out at 20 or so million, and you might not want to keep him at 20 or so million, certainly not until you see him healthy again. And then there's this third wheel, and his name is Will Greer. Cam is unpredictable, but worth waiting at least a little while to see how he rebounds from surgery. I think you now know what you have in Kyle Allen. And with Will Greer, the third wheel, you don't really know much other than he struggled in the preseason and he didn't do much to leapfrog Kyle Allen until now. Give the kid a shot starting this weekend. More on that with Joe Person in 10 minutes. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> do we but, have uh, background music That's for right. That? That's Matt Midler. There we go. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. David Tepper owns another team. Will Greer's going to get his first quarterback start for the Panthers. Joe Person is all over it for the Athletic Carolina, and he joins us next on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. 